Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. I'm Dr. Chris Tucker from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and founder of the podcast. I'd like to introduce Dr. Mike McCabe from Apex Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Kansas City. Dr. McCabe has a practice focus in sports medicine and is a consultant orthopedist to Sporting KC of Major League Soccer. He's also a member of our Arthroscopy Journal editorial board. Dr. McCabe was an author on a paper titled Fascia Iliaca Blockade with the Addition of Liposomal Bupivacaine versus Plain Bupivacaine for Perioperative Pain Management During Hip Arthroscopy, a Double-Blinded Prospective Randomized Control Trial, which was published in the September 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors included Drs. Richard Purcell, Daniel Brooks, Ted Steelman, Dan Christensen, John Dickens, Michael Kent, and Terrence Anderson. Welcome, Mike, and thanks for joining me. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for the invitation, and certainly I appreciate the opportunity to participate in the podcast. I do want to take a moment to acknowledge all of the co-authors, particularly Rick Purcell, who is the head resident on the project and really did a great job seeing this through start to finish. It's never easy to do a level one study, and it took a lot of time, a lot of effort, and I was happy with the final product. And I also certainly want to acknowledge all the great work that you guys do. At Walter Reed, it was one of the greatest experiences i probably will ever have in my career, and I'm forever indebted to that. And I thank you, Chris, and everyone else at Walter Reed and in military medicine do wonderful things that we're all appreciative of. Thanks, Mike. Certainly appreciate your uh, your partnership and uh, your service as well. Can you start us off with a brief background on where the idea for this study came from? So I think it was around 2014, 2015. At the time, there was quite a bit of interest regarding liposomal bupivacaine specifically at the time, and then it was also overlapping with the rising interest and concerns regarding opiate consumption. And so I think it was actually our anesthesiologist on the paper, Michael Kent, who had the original thought and was interested in comparing plain bupivacaine versus liposomal bupivacaine because of the um, marketing behind the liposomal bupivacaine. We all thought it was a good idea with the, to see if we could detect any, any true difference between the, the two. At the time, I was happy with our pain control as a general experience at Walter Reed at the time, and, and I think it made sense to see if we could have sustained pain relief and potentially have a decrease in opiate consumption and essentially continue what we were doing while impacting the amount of opiates that the patients were consuming postoperatively. Yeah, I certainly applaud you guys' uh, efforts and, and desire to continue to investigate multimodal pain uh, options for hip arthroscopy and you know other surgery in general. The stated purpose for this study was to determine in a prospective manner whether the addition of this liposomal bupivacaine to the fascia iliaca block could extend the effectiveness with decreased pain scores or reduced narcotic usage following hip arthroscopy. Can you tell us what the key findings were and if any of them were surprising to you? So the bottom line is there was no difference between plain bupivacaine and liposomal bupivacaine. The patients each received a 40 milliliter ultrasound-guided regional nerve block with a fascia iliaca block, 40 cc's of quarter percent bupivacaine in the control group, or 20 cc's of half percent bupivacaine mixed with 20 cc's of liposomal bupivacaine. And there was no significant difference in regards to pain scores postoperatively or reduced narcotic usage. There was one finding that was significant, and that was on postoperative days two and three, 
the patients who had the liposomal bupivacaine had significantly increased rate of anterior thigh num numbness, and this was essentially a built-in control to see if the uh, nerve block was effective to two or three days in terms of any effect on the nerves. And so those patients who had the liposomal bupivacaine, which is essentially a sustained release version of the local anesthetic, had increased th anterior thigh numbness in comparison to those who had the short-acting um, bupivacaine. And I don't think um, and from my perspective, there, our hypothesis would be that there was no difference, and that was our conclusion. Personally, I was hopeful that we would see a difference simply for the effort to decrease narcotic consumption because I think that's a, it's a, a great opportunity to positively affect patient care, but we did not see that. I don't think that any of the authors were surprised to see the lack of difference. That's kind of my takeaway from reading this. My surprise in reading it was Basically, you know, the study was designed in a really solid way, as prospective collection of all the data. And yet, even though you guys showed that the duration of the block was essentially extended based on that significant difference in the anterior thigh numbness, you were unable to show any difference in the post-op pain scores or opioid consumption at any time point in 14 days following surgery. Can you explain that? You showed that the liposomal bucivacaine does make the fascia iliaca block last longer, but it doesn't matter to the patients with respect to their pain scores or their oral narcotic usage. Well, I agree. It essentially leaves a paradoxical conclusion to some degree. And I think we can rule out the block technique by the anesthesia team by virtue of the fact that they did have a significant difference in the anterior thigh numbness. So there was clearly an effect present. One of the critiques of partly the paper, but of the topic in general, is the efficacy of a fascia iliaca block in general in regards to pain control for hip arthroscopy. And the concept is that there are multiple nerves that are innervating the hip capsule, and the fascia iliaca block can only block certain nerves. And if you've got differential innervation patterns on a patient-by-patient -patient basis, there may this may not be the best means of administering local anesthetic for pain control in the perioperative period. And so essentially, I think the way you can look at it is either look at whether the medicine itself is effective at pain relief versus whether the fascia iliaca block itself is effective in, in providing that pain relief postoperatively. And I think it's important to stress that the paper doesn't necessarily indicate one way or the other, other than to say that our conclusion is that Liposomal bupivacaine did not provide increased pain relief compared to the traditional bupivacaine nerve block. And so uh, you have to look at other research to see if we think that it might, in fact, be the type of block that's being utilized. That could be the explanation for that paradoxical difference. Sure. I think that's a pretty nice explanation of kind of the, the difference in how this study was focused in its particular role in a larger question. So, uh, you know, I think you guys contributed a significant piece of information to the bigger question, but as we all know, we're still figuring it out as a whole. One of the strengths of the study was the standardized pre- and post-op analgesic protocol with oral medications. Can you just review that for the listeners and, and tell us the rationale and effectiveness of that pathway that you guys were using? 
So first off, we have a very proactive pain control approach at Walter Reed in general, and that um, originated long before I arrived at Walter Reed, and it has its origins, I think, in optimizing pain control for the Wounded Warrior population and and, uh, some of the pain issues that they have when you add in the confounding factors of post-traumatic stress disorder and um, traumatic brain injury, et cetera. And so I was really impressed when I arrived with the very forward-thinking approach to pain control. And so from the beginning, there was always the preoperative cocktail. And so that was part of the protocol as well. They received acetaminophen, 975 milligrams, celecoxib, 200 milligrams, a 10 milligram extended release oxycodone, and 600 milligrams of gabapentin. And this was administered in the preoperative holding area the morning of surgery, shortly before the block was initiated. And then postoperatively, the standardized regimen was 5 milligram oxycodones, a scheduled oxycodone extended release, 10 milligrams BID, acetaminophen as needed, and Celebrex 200 milligrams daily for two weeks for heterotopic ossification prophylaxis, and then aspirin 325 milligrams for four weeks for DVT prophylaxis. At the time, I would well, I would say that my personal protocol is, is different now, and, and certainly I'm less aggressive with the extended release oxycodone on a, on a scheduled basis, but that was the agreed upon approach when we brought in the anesthesia team and the orthopedics together to see if we could have some means of having a standardized control of, of how much as needed medication they were they were consuming. Yeah, I think we're all trending towards pain control options, you know, uh, trying to find alternatives to opioids. So again, I applaud the work that this hopefully contributes to that effort as a whole. I'd like to get your comments on the published editorial commentary for this article written by Dr. Alan Zong. He's fairly confident in concluding that based upon now three level one studies done on the fasciailiaca blocks for hip arthroscopy, including yours and, and one of his own and one other, this particular preoperative block has been proven ineffective in decreasing postoperative pain. Yet it also has some morbidity. It raises the risk of quadricep weakness and postoperative falls as seen in your article as well, and as such shouldn't be used, and we as a profession should look elsewhere for pain management strategies for hip arthroscopy. What are your thoughts on his commentary? Well, I thought it was very insightful, and I thought it was really well positioned as an editorial comment for this particular paper because it it brings some additional information, particularly in regards to the discussion we had about the efficacy in regards to anterior thigh numbness, but the lack of efficacy in regards to pain control, which is what we're really trying to achieve with the block. Um, I think objectively, we conclude from the information he presented, which if we would include this as a third level one study that perhaps questions the efficacy of fasciailiac blockade, even if we're not trying to prove that specifically, we can conclude that there's limited but high quality evidence that these are not effective for hip arthroscopy. I would qualify that by saying anecdotally, I think it it really seems to me that it is effective in some patients. And so what I would prefer to see out of this is maybe a renewed interest in identifying which patients would be good candidates for this. For instance, if it's a particular capsular innervation that responds well to a fascia iliaca blockade, are there preoperative findings that we have access to, such as their pain pattern? Uh, their symptom pattern when they pre- present in the office that we can identify a good candidate for a for fasciailiaca block, or will be there there be diagnostic or imaging modalities in the future that we that allow us to better understand a particular innervation pattern so that we can know when this is effective. And so 
that's what I would like to see out of it. But I think from a practical standpoint right now, I would have to agree that he presents well-done studies, two level one studies that question the efficacy of, of this particular block as a routine practice for hip arthroscopy. Yeah, interesting. I think I have to agree with you that it was insightful and added to the overall understanding of the topic. As stated in your limitations, although this was a randomized study, there were significantly more females in the study group on the order of 21 versus 12, almost double the number. Do you think gender differences between the study and control groups had any impact on your results? Well, our BMI was not significantly different between each study group, and so I think that it probably did not affect the outcomes to any significant regard. At least that's all I can conclude from from the data we had available. Sure. I, I know you're a, an avid hip arthroscopist and a busy surgeon. Do you have any uh, modifications to your practice that you do any pre- or post-operative pain control protocols different for gender-based or no? I do not. I think um, I, we try to be cognizant of, of a, an approach in terms of overall weight and what appropriate medication dosing is based on weight and certainly previous exposure to narcotics. But I do not personally use uh, gender as a, as a baseline in terms of, of where to start with how we manage. Anecdotally in your practice, have you noticed any trends uh, that are based on gender or any other kind of demographic factors or no? I can't say that I have. I think I, I believe that other than smoking, I think smoking does affect it. And I do I certainly think that people who are on um, narcotics preoperatively have a very different experience postoperatively, and that makes it very difficult to manage. I certainly have spoken with other surgeons who feel that perhaps gender might play a role um, to some capacity, but I can't say that I've observed it myself. Sure. I think those are consistent probably with all, you know, other joints that we do arthroscopy on as far True. as, you know, preoperative use of narcotics, smoking, other factors that are probably at increased risk for lots of perioperative complications, including difficulty with pain control. To close, do you want to share with our listeners one or two take-home points uh, with respect to pain control or hip arthroscopy in general that they could potentially incorporate into their own clinical practice based on your experiences or this study in particular? Sure. Well, I would certainly reinforce that the conclusion of the study, since we spent a lot of time talking about fasciolaciae block and, and its efficacy or utility, this this is a level one randomized prospective trial that specifically evaluated traditional bupivacaine versus a liposomal extended release type of formulation of bupivacaine, and and there was no difference. And so that's the, that's the strength of our conclusion. And and then there may be some speculation surrounding that. I think you really do need to consider it in consultation with your anesthesia provider. I appreciate the fact that anesthesia has uh, maybe in more recent decades moved towards uh, embracing the overall patient experience in the perioperative setting as as part of of their domain, and that it's not just a a go-to-sleep-and-wake-them-up approach, that it's reducing postoperative nausea and vomiting. It's managing pain to an acceptable level so they can be ambulatory and uh, we can move patients in and out in a, in a safe and efficient manner, especially through the ambulatory surgery center. Preoperative oral medication cocktail, I think, is a very appropriate and modern means of achieving that. And so I would recommend doing that, of course, in coordination with your anesthesia provider. I do think that adjunctive local anesthetic, however you choose to administer that, um, some options are pericapsular injections, um, and portal site injections postoperatively, 
certainly blocks to some degree still are, are used in practice. And then um, I don't think we can look to the journals for assistance with this as much, but I do think that a regular reflection on your surgical technique um, is a means for improving a patient's pain and experience in the perioperative setting. And I think maybe we might ignore that, but there's certainly procedures that have shown that changing the technique has led to decreased pain scores. I think we could agree that anterior ligament reconstruction surgery has seen an evolution in terms of how pain can be controlled with surgical technique. And I think there's certainly an opportunity for that with hip arthroscopy as well as some of our other techniques. Yeah, all very uh, insightful comments. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today, Mike. Dr. McCabe's article titled Fascia Iliaca Blockade with the Addition of Liposomal Bupivacaine versus Plain Bupivacaine for Perioperative Pain Management During Hip Arthroscopy, a Double-Blinded Prospective Randomized Control Trial, can be found in the September 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal, which is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Mike, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Chris, and uh, give my best to everybody at Walter Reed. Will do. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.